Welcome to the Recovery Stories Podcast, bringing you stories of hope, healing, and triumph over the bondage of addictions, mental health struggles, trauma, and dysfunctional family systems. Our courageous storytellers have chosen to live their journey out loud in order to show others that they don't have to suffer in silence. The stories you will hear are raw, real, and may involve graphic and triggering content. This podcast is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health's Rooted Alumni Community. If you or a loved one are struggling, have questions, or are ready to take the next step, call our admission center at 888-648-4098. Or visit us online at www.promisesbehavioralhealth.com. Our team is ready and waiting to answer the call for help. Hello, and welcome to another special episode of Rooted Recovery Stories. My name is Patrick Custer, and I am your host. We're so glad that you are joining us today, whether you're watching or listening live or on replay. Today, we're tuning back into part two uh, of Jeremy Jackson's story. From starring in Baywatch and multiple reality shows to the fashion world of endorsement and show hosting, making his own music, and touring the country. And now, most importantly, being an advocate and person in long-term recovery. Our guest has just about done it all. And we're so excited to have him on the show um, and hear more about his life's journey. So uh, for those of you who watched last week, welcome back. For those of you who haven't seen part one or listened to part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, Without further ado, we're going to hop right back in. And uh, when I was 18, I fell in love with a girl who did crystal meth. Um, I, I thought it was disgusting, you know, toothless person's drug. No, I'm like this highfalutin, you know, partier. I don't do that stuff. But I ran out of coke. I ended up doing crystal meth with her. And uh, it's where really a lot changed. A lot changed. Uh, I got arrested. Um, a couple times for some really big drug charges. I was looking at seven to 35 years in prison. Um, by by 20, I had already exhausted all my money. I had already quit Baywatch. I quit the show at 18. I went to work after being up for five days one day and I just couldn't pull it off. I just couldn't even pronunciate my words. It was it was gut-wrenching. Yeah. I, was, I was so embarrassed, you know. Um, and rather than surrender or submit, I, you know, got prideful and said, screw you guys. I don't need you guys, you know. And, uh, you know, it just got really dark, man. It got really dark. And that's when I I, I, I threw in the towel. I said, what's the use of fighting this thing anymore? What's the use, in, use of going to rehab and trying to pretend like I'm not just going to mm-hmm. screw it up? I'm just, I'm just going to commit to this lifestyle and, and go on to the bitter end. Yeah. So... Did a lot of that play out in the um, public eye or (laughs) was it when I mean, I mean, your consequences uh, that that were taking place over the following years? You know, I think living down in Orange County, you know, even though I worked in L.A., living in Orange Orange County kind of saved me. Mm. And honestly, at that time, you know, this whole teen star partier thing wasn't as common as it is today. You know, now you got, you know, whatever the 
the Lindsay Lohans of yesteryear, the Aaron Carters and the whatever these these young musicians and actors who are crashing cars and in and out of rehabs and showing up to clubs all wasted. It's much more common now. Um, yeah. And I don't think anybody just, this, they didn't think that I was doing that kind of stuff. So they weren't really up my butt too much. Thank God. There was a few blurbs here and there, um, but being kind of disconnected from Hollywood by, by partying in Orange County saved me from a, a lot of, uh, you know, media teardown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and running with, with other celebs, you know, I was, I like to, you know, I, I, I really like lower companionship. Like I'm, you know, I'm hanging out with the worst of the worst in, in, in garages of, you know, that no one, no one knows about, you know? Right. So had shame and guilt entered the picture for you yet? Or were you, uh, Oh, big time, yeah. big time. I mean, back then when I had thrown in the towel, um, and I had just thought this, this was as good as it's going to get, you know, my, my, my biggest dream in life is just to have as much drugs as I want, you know, as I can do. That was my biggest goal, you know? Um, and uh, I didn't even have the confidence to walk into a convenience store. I mean, I felt, oh God, the, the drugs didn't work anymore. You know, the head, the head had taken over. It didn't matter how much I had. Um, I knew I was a, a creature. You know, I knew I was walking dead. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. Man, I could, I haven't thought about that um, since before, probably before I got sober, but I can really relate to the whole not having the confidence, you know, feeling like too much, such crap that I couldn't uh, face the uh, the clerks at the convenience stores. Um, that's a certain level of uh, low that a lot of people might not understand. Yeah. Finally, finally, how I felt on the inside all along had manifested on the outside. Mm. Yeah. That's so what, when did, when was enough enough? Um, what led to you getting sober the first, well, I don't want to say the first time, clearly you went to, <laughs> you went to treatment a number <laughs> of times, but it wasn't necessarily, it doesn't sound like it was by choice or that you wanted it. So, you know, right. you had surrendered to this lifestyle, you know, it was taking you down, um, and uh yeah what led to that that um first genuine you know stab at yeah. sobriety yeah you know all the times i had been to rehabs before none of it sunk in i i don't think i ever heard anything that really took hold um you know unfortunately but you know you're not ready until you're ready and mm -hmm. the when i was 20 um, I was looking at seven to 35 years in prison and I remember getting arrested by the Newport beach police department. And I was looking at a, a manufacturing methamphetamine case. Cause I had, I had lost all my money and all these dealers were ripping me off thinking that I was this rich Baywatch kid who had all this money and they were selling me garbage or plastic particles or whatever. It was just terrible. Yeah. Um, so I started learning how to do it, make it on my own. 
you know. Um, so I had fallen in with some Hell's Angels guys or, you know, taking the matter into my own hands and I'll, I'll supply my own drugs, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember they looked at me and they said, what's wrong with you, kid? Look at you, you know. I'm like 200 pounds right now. I was 135 pounds at that time. So, um, you know, really skinny, really scary looking, scabby face. You know, I should have been a movie star driving Lambos and having supermodel girlfriends. And I'm this just mutant. Um, and he asked me, what's wrong with you, kid? Look at you. You know, these are my local police department that watched me grow up. And now they're this meth manufacturing task force, you know, mm. that's commissioned to take down the bad guys. And how uh, how am I the bad guy? Like, what happened? And it really hit me for the first time that uh that i was just no more than an addict that was my only answer i'm just an addict that's why i have nothing that's why i'm looking at seven to 35 years in prison that's why i don't have any money that's why i look like this i'm just an addict, just for one more high when it doesn't even work anymore and i'm miserable and that was the only answer i had for that cop and it was it was really humiliating and um, the reality set in. And I, I didn't have any hope at that time. Um, I thought I was going away for good and it was wraps for me, you know. Uh, I ended up really lucking out. I, I, I ended up doing three months in a jail and six months in a rehab. Wow. So it was nine months of being guided and directed of what to do, where to go, where to sleep, when to sleep, when to eat. Um, and it took about that long. It took about that long for me to think, wait, maybe, maybe life's not that bad. You know, maybe I could mm -hmm. just surf and have friends and may maybe, maybe shooting pool with some buddies is actually doesn't suck. Like, you know, and I, I got surrounded by some great sober dudes that were my age and they'd come over to my house when I was depressed and honk the horn outside and come drag me out of bed if they had to and take me to meetings and, you know, tell me to get a sponsor. And I was like, OK, you know, whatever. Um, I, 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 I had no idea how to live. You know, I had, yeah. I had eradicated any idea of how to survive um, and it was given back to me. You know, so it sounds like you this was this was truly the first time you experienced radical acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So um, pretty cool. I mean, and you know, we look at for many of us uh, that that time where we finally get <laughs> when we finally get sober, it does kind of look like that. Like it's like we got to get out of our our stuff and get to a place. I like how you described that where people were telling you what to do and giving you suggestion and you know it, basically your will was uh um somebody else was interim for a yeah. little while or multiple people <laughs> in voices were interim <laughs> yeah, i didn't have the option i had i had beaten myself into a state of sweet reasonableness you know yeah. and i was willing to just say okay and uh, you know and a lot yeah. of times have the option you know it's it's actually mm -hmm. a a beautiful place to be yeah Absolutely. Uh, that gift of desperation, right? Yeah. Um, 
So what, you know, you found, you found that you found recovery. What was, what was next for you? Cause I know th through the years, you know, you, you got into some reality TV shows and, and whatnot. Um, what was that? <laughs> what was the good, bad and ugly of that? And, uh, oh, man. Yeah. had it all dude, you know, it, it took it, honestly, it took close to two years, um, in recovery to get like confidence back you know mm -hmm. like healthy confidence you know um so for for the first couple of years i got like a little telemarketing job you know i didn't want people to see me or use my name or i didn't think oh i'm just gonna get right back into acting i was like no dude i'm i'm crazy i'm nuts and i don't really want to ruin my life all over again i'd rather just get a minimum wage job and just baby step this thing I, i'm scared yeah. So for about two years, I did that and, um, and it was great, you know, lived with my mom and, uh, I, I, I was talked into doing a nightclub with a friend of mine. Um, he's like, dude, you're so good at promoting and all your friends want to show up everywhere you go. So why don't you just send some people to this club I'm doing? And, um, I started getting more involved in the back end of the stuff and, and, uh, you know the visuals the the sponsors the themes the you know special performances and you know hiring different djs and the business of nightlife um intrigued me and i had i had some contacts there you know from all my years of, of partying um and it worked out really well you know and, and i had a lot of fun with it and that turned into like you mentioned in the beginning that turned into many years of touring the world, producing fashion shows, working with Paris Hilton, Young Jock, Birdman, you know, you name it. We did so much cool stuff and Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week and the nightlife thing turned into the fashion thing and the fashion thing commingled with the nightlife thing and it was great and I was sober and, um, you know, I sponsored a lot of guys and, you know, worked with newcomers, let them new guys sleep on my couch. It was, it was great because a, a lot of people gravitated towards me because they saw me, you know, sober with commitments and, um, you know, uh, active in recovery yet having oh. nightlife things. So I was like the, the fun sponsor, the, the guy that, that, uh, whose life didn't suck because I was sober. Um, and that was a, that was a really fun time. Um, after that, I moved to LA and I decided to get back into um, entertainment. So I kind of like, I kind of, you know, dip my toe in the water. Yeah. Behind, yeah. So to speak, you know, I wasn't yeah. the front man, but I guided and steered the ship and, you know, I made some money. I had some good time under my belt and I thought, you know what? I can do this now. I can do this now. And um, so that's when I moved out to, to LA and, um, started doing some stuff, the VH1, um, Confessions of a Teen Idol, and um, did some other independent movies. And, you know, it was interesting, uh, you know, being a, being a product, being an image, and um, having to be so concerned with how you look, what you're wearing, um, where you're at, who you're with, doesn't uh it doesn't mesh that great with like singleness of purpose of 
self-forgetting, finding yourself through self-forgetting. It's like, have to remain polished, yet have to align myself with the will of God. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't work. And it was pretty disruptive. I got into a relationship with a woman. It didn't, you know, go very well. Some of my character defects started coming back. I slacked on, on recovery. It seemed to be more and more of a nuisance. The busier I got and the more self, you know, focused and centered I got. Um, so it was an interesting time moving to LA. It was eight years of, of living in LA. Mm. Uh, that was a good learning lesson, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So did, did you stay sober ever since then? Or was there another? Um... No, after 12 years, um, 13, potentially 13 years um, of being sober, I went through a very traumatic separation. Um, mm. And the woman that I had married developed some mental issue mm -hmm. that we no one is really a, fully aware of what it is. Um, it looked like schizophrenia, mm. but she was already 31. So it's, uh, that's like, doesn't happen like late right. schizophrenia. And I've talked to some doctors and, and stuff like that, but um, it was this extremely traumatic uh, separation where, a lot of stuff was said and bad things happened and you know i was super estranged and my you know all my money got stolen and i just was too depressed to show up for my clients at the time i was training personal training the likes of rick j you know hedge fund managers i was i was a, a a sober coach life coach to these celebrities the face of underwear campaigns you know i'm doing their diets and being their trainer and everything looks so good on the outside i think that was my biggest mistake is really getting focused on how everything looked on the outside because mm -hmm. uh, i had the picture perfect exterior um and after that you know i, had, I hadn't been to a meeting in months you know i, I went on my birthday to you know take a cake and stuff like that and um I just how forgotten how important it was for me to stay connected. Yeah. So I ended up drinking away my, my depression and I heard that's great. It's like hitting your head on the, on the hit, hitting yourself in the head with a hammer to get rid of a headache. Right. Um, yep. My wife left me. I'm going to drink this booze now. <gasps> and um, gosh, that just turned into the worst thing. I went out to Europe. I got this, $150,000 payday on Celebrity Big Brother. And I was like, all right, I'm out of the hole, you know, like yeah. that chick, you know, she can't ruin my life. I'll be back in no time. And I was on prescription Xanax or no prescription Valium, Adderall, and I was drinking. And um, I took a Valium and I had a couple drinks and I got nauseous. I ended up uh, sick in the bathroom and, you know, I ended up getting kicked off the show, man. And I got docked my pay. I didn't make my money. I came home with no money. Whoa. Just had lost my relationship. And and I really went off the deep end. So I went off the deep end all over again. I caught another bad case, seven years in prison. I had to fight that for a ye two years. Um, I had been, you know, carjacked. I had been held at gunpoint. There was uh, two incidences where I had to fend my fend for my life, and I had a knife, and two people got hurt. I mean, this is like the chaos, the the insanity, the 
um, of where I go, man. Yeah. Is, is unbelievable, but it's inevitable. Anytime I, I take a drink, man, I can't do anything. So I went to rehab for a year. I wore an ankle monitor for six months. Wow. I had to go to jail for, for about six months, two, three months, bailed out, fought the case. And then I had to go finish up and do another three months. Um, then I worked in rehab for a year. And then I became a breathwork meditation practitioner and I taught breathwork groups in rehabs for almost two years. And, you know, uh, same thing, man, same thing. Sober community lifted me up, gave me jobs, um, gave me love, uh, gave me support. And, you know, here I am with just a, a whole new appreciation and perspective on, on, how imperative it is to do the deeper work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that cool how, um, you know, no matter what happens, where we go, um, and whether we say screw off and cut off relationships and everything, when we come back to the recovery community, whether it's in LA, Kentucky, Florida, it's right there, you know, with open arms waiting for us. I just got back from Salulita, Mexico, and there is amazing recovery out there. It, really? It was got plugged in so many people dude restaurant owners and you know all eating it i had my birthday out there my 41st birthday was out there and i had like 20 something people at my birthday just all these cool people i had met in the town the jujitsu coach and the owners of this restaurant and that restaurant people who moved there from california that are married now and i was like dude all these sober people and like i've just met them all in there it's so rad that's really cool Really cool. The family anywhere we go, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, life's obviously good for you and so much better now than it was before. But what would you say um, if you had to mention a few things, uh, how life is different now for you than it was before? Man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always wanting to learn. Um, I'm, I, I want to grow. And I, I, I so often in the past have, you know, I'm kind of a sprinter, you know, I, I, I want to close the chapter on that or think I've graduated from this level to that level. Okay, this mm -hmm. is done. Time to focus on this or, or that. Thinking, you know, that this is like a, a cumulative stacking that you do in life to get to this, to this place or, um, or, or have these achievements that you stack on top of one another. And, you know, now more than ever, you know, I, I have a deep appreciation for, for staying in, in, in the foundation, you know, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, for me is body, mind and, and spirit alignment, you know, having alignment. You know, my head can get so crazy. I've always had a good heart. You know, I don't have this. A lot of people have to overcome like a nasty heart. You know, that, that's yeah. not a real thing, you know. And yeah. we all have similarities and we all have differences. But, you mm -hmm. know, my heart's always wanted good. My heart's always wanted to love people and to be loved and to be the guy that, you know, you can count on. And, and uh, you know, but my head's crazy. And somehow going back through my life, I see that 
even though I want good and, and try to think good and try to do good, invariably I've hurt people and it doesn't make sense. How can I have these goals and motives and objectives that are seemingly altruistic, yet I have laundry lists of people who have been hurt by me? And, mm -hmm. and, and yet I feel like I'm the one that has been taken advantage of or lied to or, you know, uh, overpromised and underdelivered. So it was, it was really in unraveling what's called the seven areas of self. Mm. And, and when I do this inventory of my life, my experiences, my, my successes, you know, my relationships on how those seven areas of self show up in the inner workings of that. And I'm faced with a lot of, um, roles and characters that I've assigned myself in these situations. I'm faced with a lot of expectations of how I believe other people are supposed to see me. Mm -hmm. I'm faced with a lot of things that I expect that I want. Um, um, I'm faced with a lot of things that I expect that I need, you know, ambition and security, you know, we call this, but wants and needs are very different. Um, on deep-seated ideas of what relationships are supposed to look like, whether it's business or, 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 or just a person on the street that cuts you off. That's a, yeah. you know, there's a relationship. What's my, well, you're supposed to know that I'm sober now and living a good life and you're not supposed to honk at me. And now I'm perturbed, right? <laughs> like yeah, little stuff to big stuff. Um, yeah. And my deep-seated idea of what a real man would have done, should have done, could have done in some of these past experiences and realizing that invariably it's me, you know, how mm -hmm. self-centeredness in one form or another, you know, for a long time, I wasn't able to see how selfish and self-centered I was because I'm self-deprecating. I'll go without, I, you know, I don't need too much, right? Um, but in my giving, even that, I'm still that actor, mm -hmm. that actor that wants the show to go off the way I think it should. Yeah. Um, and I've, by unraveling that, I found actions that I took and those actions that I took in those relationships then, or I can apply to a situation right now and I can apply to a situation right now. And what's the action that I took? And those actions are usually fed by, by a thought or an idea. And those thoughts and ideas that I have that lead to actions are usually fed by a lie that I tell myself. Mm. Mm. The lies that I'm living by are telling myself that lead to thoughts and ideas I have that invariably result in some action I take are usually based in a fear that I have. So I'm living by fears that lead to lies, that lead to thoughts, that lead to actions which harm other people. And if my real goal in life is not to harm people, it's for everybody to be happy and everybody to get along and to just to do my part and to be the guy that people can rely on. How am I spitting out handfuls of people that are hurt? This makes no sense. So when I really, when I really did that decoding, it's a deep decoding, man. It was not. Yeah. And it's, it's a, a thing that I, that I continue with. Then I have this new deeper responsibility and commitment to not continue to hurt those people. Mm -hmm. um and uh gosh i just i found so much freedom in that and how self wants to show up so it's 
I have willpower, right? Which is good to get me into alignment with God. And then I have this self-will, which I'm really trying to discard completely. Like I really do believe in and have experienced moments, days, maybe even weeks of continuous freedom. Freedom Mm. from self. The healthy use of my will is to get in alignment with God's will and have this new experience day in, day out, guided and directed by a power greater than myself. Intervening with people, finding places and experiences that I wouldn't have thought of, that I wouldn't have created, that are just magic. Um, And it isn't until I can get myself out of the way till that can happen. And um, dude, it's bliss. You know? That's awesome. You know, you really, I, I love the way that you just explained um, self-will and, and just the, the breakdown and the teasing out of uh, how fear lies, thoughts and actions are this cyclical thing that get us in trouble. It doesn't like, you don't even need the alcohol and the drugs, right? Like you'll screw your life up all on, all on its own with just that, those underlying causes. And um, so, you know, that, that perfectly leads me to my next question. So like, how do you show up in relationships now? How do you, what are a couple of the things that you do now to keep yourself centered? Like you said, spiritually, mentally, physically, um, and out of that cycle of fear driven, lie driven thoughts, actions. All right. Well, I would say right now, currently, the way I show up in, in relationships is very cautiously. <laughs> like mm. I haven't mastered this thing. I don't have it perfect. So the best thing I can do is uh, the thing that I'm doing right now is just being hyper aware and cautious because, mm. um, you know, it's kind of like that thread, you know, like that, that thread in the shirt that you pull, it's like, Oh crap. It's all undone. You know? So, I don't want to tug at the wrong thread. So first and foremost, I'm cautious. And, and if I don't have the right answer, I'll do nothing. I'd yeah. rather do nothing, you know, and wait for the answer to come. And, um, you know, continued, continued inventory. Um, you know, so I'll journal um, I'll journal and I'll, and I'll, I'll make sure that each day I don't have, um, resentments against people, um, that I'm not lying to anybody or keeping any secrets, um, you know, where I was, uh, selfish or afraid each day. Um, and, and it's funny cause you know, we, we talked about not having a dad, you know, and I, I never got that confirmation or that affirmation of a father that says like, mm-hmm. Hey, you're a good kid, you know? And it wasn't until like 45 days or clearing the wreckage of my past. And then 45 days of these, you know, continual inventories. And, you know, when you're keeping your side of the street clean for 45 days in a row, you can't help but be like, Hey, you're doing all right, kid. It's like you get fathered by yourself or you get fathered by the program. You know, you get fathered through this inventory process and you, you get to, that's that esteemable acts, you know, those, it's this, you get a little bit of healthy self-esteem, you know? Yeah. So I think this, that, that whole process that we talked about starts to become a little more 
knee-jerk reaction. You, you, want, you start to lean into that. You know, like I said, being cautious. Wait, am I? You know, do I have the, of course. Well, it's anytime. I, I guess anytime I feel jilted, I feel dissatisfied, then I automatically have to go back to that. You know, wait a minute. I am not happy. Why am I not happy? What area of self has been challenged? I should be, if I, if I dream and aspire to be in acceptance at all times, that everything is working exactly the way it's supposed to be, yet I am feeling displeased, let's find my part in it. And mm-hmm. a big part, a big part for me, honestly, now that you mentioned that, is speaking up. I, mm. I tend to hold stuff in and not speak up, you know, yep. partly because maybe, you know, historically speaking, when I speak up, it's like some selfish thing or some, you know, unrealistic expectation or, you know, whatever. So I don't speak up. Um, but being able to check my motives, my thought process, giving it the acid test, as they say, and knowing yep. that I have to speak from a place of kindliness, tolerance, and love, um, I've been able to start actually saying stuff to people and getting healthy responses and finding finding solutions. So that's been a big change for me. Hmm, that's good. That's really good. Um, so uh, what would you say is your life's mission today? You know, I think that changes and evolves as we yeah. go through, uh, as we go through life, but today, um, when you look at the the rest of the years that you, you, um, are going to be gifted of life or that you hope to be gifted of life here on earth, um, what do you want, what do you want that mission to be? You know, I, I, I want that mission. First and foremost, I want whatever happens moving forward for me to be void of selfish, self-centered, inconsiderate, or unhealthy desires. Mm-hmm. Um, I put all my stuff in storage. I don't have a place to live right now. I've been going out to Mexico a lot. Um, I have opportunities for work and jobs, but I would rather be happy, joyous, and free living out of a backpack <laughs> than have some super huge successful career and be miserable or to yeah. fronted once again with the pain. The, what is it? It's, when 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 the shit hits the fan it's like this you're flabbergasted you're like how did this i never want to feel like how did this all happen and have to go back and untangle the whole sick woven knot of how i did yeah. it to myself without me realizing i was doing this to myself again yeah i want to do that so i i'm just staying really really small and I, I would love to experience solely what God, what the universe, what my my destiny has in store for me, rather than taking it by the neck and and using my own will to to create yeah. it should be. So that's I'm just I'm stripping it. That's what I that awesome. be stripped and see what happens. 
So you might have answered my next question just now, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. Are there any projects or initiatives you're currently working on um, or future endeavors that are uh, that we can look out for? Yes, absolutely. So um, we got the Shake Addict Shakedown, which is happening November 19th. Um, it's a boxing match that me and a buddy are putting on between a bunch of our best friends. And we're using this boxing match called the Shake Addict Shakedown to sample out some very uh, prolific and dynamic uh, whole food, superfood smoothies and, and protein shakes that we're making. Some of them have green juice bases, mushroom extracts, you know, uh, you know, just like crazy protein shakes that you would never dream of, whole food, nutrient dense shakes. We're going to sample them out. We're going to see how people like them. And we're talking about opening up a brick and mortar shop in Orange County, California called Shake Addict. Um, cool. Proceeds will go to helping addicts get sober living. Hence Shake Addict, our slogan. Love it. One is too many, a thousand's never enough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, have a roundup option so that, you know, when you buy a shake, you can round up and, and that money will go to uh, finding sober living for people in, in recovery. Um, so that's a really big opportunity. I'm also currently uh, working with many people who are sick in various forms. So cancer, Parkinson's, Crohn's disease, Lyme's disease, autoimmune disorders, people who are bouncing back from COVID vaccine issues, um, and addicts as well who are needing detox. Um, that's why I've been in Mexico a lot. We have um, a host of amazing naturopathic doctors and holistic mm -hmm. healers down there. We're using um, you know, ozone, NAD, various vitamin infusions, some plant medicines to get people through the nastiest phases of, of withdrawal um, rapidly. Rap we're, we're bouncing heroin addicts back in three days with no withdrawal. I mean, it's wow. we're doing stem cells, intravenous stem cells, stem cell injections right into the spine. I mean, like oxygen hyperbaric chambers, like really next level cool stuff that is extremely affordable down in Mexico and it's beautiful. So I've been lucky enough to accompany a few people down there. Um, and I just love it. I love that work. Um, loving on people and until they break through that, that nasty storm. Mm. So between protein shakes and, uh, and trips to Mexico for, for wellness, um, you can catch me on the imperfectly perfect campaign, which matches up so much with everything we talked about. I don't know if you yeah. checked that out, but I think you should be a part of it. If you'd be willing, uh, the imperfectly perfect campaign is an, is a international, uh, mental health campaign to, as you said earlier, break the stigma around yeah. about mental health. You know, we, we didn't get to talk much about, you know, my, my anxiety or my depression and my body dysmorphia that I struggle with, but you know, I do believe addiction is a mental health issue and, and that we can all band together like you and I are doing today to be stronger. So thanks for all you're doing on that topic. Absolutely. Um, and follow me at Jeremy Jackson Fitness on Instagram, man. That's about it. Awesome. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I hate to, do, to put this into like a couple minutes, but we have a couple minutes left and I, w I would love for you to touch on just, um, you know, how can you put that in the box of a few minutes and do a bullet point of, of how, you know, what the mental health and, and body dysmorphia played into your story? Oh man. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think, you know, the same process, the same process, man, for to overcome addiction. Uh, it's, 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 it's just lack of God. It's lack mm -hmm. of, it's lack of solution. It's, 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 uh, you know, there's so much fear and comparison, you know, uh, a lot, it's a lot of social issues, media, you know, we're just bombarded by stuff so much. And it's, it's really hard to rise above it and or allow yourself to sink below it. We're inundated with so much and we're expected to do so much. But I think the, the saving grace for me and what I, what I wish for everybody is those, those moments, those moments, you know, we don't know what we don't know until we know it. And once you know it and you feel it, once you feel the presence, of a, 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 a divine power, you know, a loving spirit of the universe. When you connect with somebody that knows your struggle and you don't feel alone, you know, those moments, none of us of our own ability, of our natural power, have what it takes to break through this stuff. We mm -hmm. need the group, we need the synergy of the group, and we, we need, we need faith in something, in something bigger. I don't care if it's aliens, you know, if it's the Inunaki or if it's Buddha or whatever it is, I, I, that doesn't matter to me, but it's that, it's that intimacy with something that you know has nothing but the best in, in mind for you because it, it's capable, it, it's, it's possible, it's real. And those moments, can really get you through the roughest patches, you know? And when you get those moments, you can extend those moments. You can continue to work, develop, read, connect, meditate, get in nature. And those moments can stretch into whole days and those whole days can stretch into weeks, can stretch into months. Can stretch. It's not a lifestyle that we're living, it's a life. We're, we're, we're right. building a new life and it's available to any and all. And Absolutely. We want Absolutely. It. Patrick and I want it for you, so come on. Yep. All right, last thing uh, for that person in the audience who's identifying with parts of your story today and still struggling. Um, what uh, last word of encouragement would you like to leave for them? Last word of encouragement for that person that identifies. Hey, you know, if you spot it, you got it, you know, mm -hmm. and you got to feel it to heal it. So. <laughs> Don't deny it. Don't rationalize with it. Don't bargain with it. Surrender to it and, and, and plug in with some people who have, who have graduated to a level above you where you're at and just keep climbing that ladder and mentors that are living the way you want to live and, and lean into that. Hmm. That's good. So good. Oh man, Jeremy, thank you so much. I can't, I can't thank you enough for sharing, uh, getting vulnerable and sharing your story today. And uh, thanks for everybody joining us. And I'll close out by saying uh, and reminding everybody, uh, I love this statement that it is never too late to start loving yourself. And you are only uh, one decision away from a completely different life. For more information on today's episode, check out the show notes 
Recovery Stories is brought to you by Promises Behavioral Health's Rooted Alumni Community. If you or a loved one are struggling, have questions, or ready to take the next step, call our admission center at 888-648-4098. Or visit us online at www.promisesbehavioralhealth.com. Our team is ready and waiting to answer the call for help. Whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please share with your friends. Follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. We are grateful for you and hope that you have been encouraged by today's episode. As always, remember you are only one decision away from a completely different life, and it is never too late to start loving yourself. 